I think I featured a few clips from Lex Freeman's podcast. Obviously, he's one of the top podcasters in the world, but you don't often hear him talk about the process and the love of podcasting. So he was on the Huberman Lab podcast recently and opened up a little bit about how he thinks about it. And I think it was just beautiful and a really nice conversation. First time I saw your podcast, I noticed the suit. I was like, he respects his audience, which was great. But I also thought, this is amazing. You know, people are showing up for science and engineering and technology information and those discussions and other sorts of discussions. Now, I do want to talk for a moment about the podcast. So my two questions about the podcast are, when you started it, did you have a plan? And regardless of what that answer is, do you, do you know where you're taking it? Or um, would you like to leave us? Uh, I, I do believe in an element of surprise is always fun. But what about the podcast? Do you enjoy the podcast? I mean, your audience certainly includes me, really enjoys the podcast. It's incredible. So I love talking to people and there's something about microphones that really bring out the best in people. Like we, you, you don't get a chance to talk like this. If you and I were just hanging out, we would have a very different conversation in the amount of focus we allocate to each other. We would be having fun talking about other stuff and doing other things. There'd be a lot of distraction. There would be some phone use and all that kind of stuff. Um, but here we're 100% focused on each other and focus on the idea. And like sometimes playing with ideas that we both don't know like the answer to, like a question we don't know the answer to. We're both like fumbling with it, trying to figure out, trying to get some insights at something we haven't really figured out before and together arriving at that. I think that's magical. I don't know why we need microphones for that, but we somehow do. Feels like doing science. It feels like doing science for me, definitely. That's exactly it. Then, and I'm really glad you said that because I I don't actually often say this, uh, but that's exactly what I felt like I wanted to talk to uh, friends and colleagues at MIT to do real science together. That's why, how I felt about it. Like to, to really talk through problems that are actually interesting as opposed to uh, like incremental work that we're currently working for um, for a particular conference. So really asking questions like, what are we doing? Like, where's this headed to? Like, what are the big, is this really going to help us uh, solve, in the case of AI, solve intelligence? Like, is this even working on intelligence? There's a there's a certain sense, which is why I initially called it artificial intelligence, is like most of us are not working on artificial intelligence. You're, you're working on some very specific problem and a set of techniques. At the time, it's machine learning to solve this particular problem. This is not gonna take us to a system that uh, is anywhere close to the generalizability uh, of the human mind. Like the kind of stuff the human mind can do in terms of memory, in terms of cognition, in terms of reasoning, common sense reasoning. This is, doesn't seem to take us there. So the, the initial impulse was, can I talk to these folks, do science together through conversation? And I also thought that there was not enough, now I didn't think there was enough good conversations with world-class minds. The, that I got to meet and not the ones with a book or like the, this was a th- thing. Oftentimes you go on this tour when you have a book, but there's a lot of minds that don't write books. They and don't. the books constrain the conversation too, because then you're talking about this the, thing, this, this thing. book. But there's, I've, I've noticed that with people who haven't written a book who are brilliant, we get to talk about ideas 
in a new way. We both haven't actually, uh, when we raise a question, we don't know the answer to it. When the question is raised and we try to arrive there. Um, like, I, I don't know, I remember asking questions of world-class researchers in um, deep learning of why do neural networks work as well as they do? That question is often loosely asked, but like when you have microphones and you have to think through it and you have 30 minutes to an hour to think through it together, I think that's the, that's science. I think that's really powerful. So that was, that was the one goal. The other one is, um, I, I again, don't usually talk about this, but there's some sense in which I wanted to have dangerous conversations. Uh, part of the reasons I wanted to wear a suit is like, I wanted to be fearless. That it, I, the reason I don't usually talk about it is because I feel like I'm not good at conversation. <laughs> so it, it looks like it, it, it doesn't match the current skill level, but I wanted to have really um, uh, dangerous conversations that I uniquely would be able to do. Not completely uniquely, but like I'm a huge fan of Joe Rogan and I had to ask myself, what conversations can I do that Joe Rogan can't? For me, I know I bring this up, but for me, that person I thought about at the time was Putin. Like that's that's why I bring him up. He, he's he's uh, just like with Costello, he's not just a person. He's also an idea to me for what I strive for, just to have those dangerous conversations. And the reason I'm uniquely qualified is both the Russian, but also there's the judo and the martial arts. There's a lot of elements that make me have a conversation he hasn't had before. And um, and there's a few other people that uh, I kept in mind, like Don Knuth, he's a computer scientist uh, from Stanford that I thought is one of the most beautiful minds ever. And nobody really talked to him, like really talked to him. He did a few lectures, which people love, but really just have a conversation with him. Uh, there's a few people like that. One of them passed away, John Conway, that I never got, we agreed to talk, but he uh, died before we did. There's a few people like that, that I thought like, it's such a crime to not hear those folks. And uh, I have the unique ability to uh, know how to purchase a uh, microphone on Amazon and plug it into a device that records audio and then publish it, which seems relatively unique. Like it's, that's not easy in the scientific community, people knowing how to plug in a microphone. No, they can build Faraday cages and two photon microscopes and uh, bioengineer all sorts of things. But uh, the idea that you could take ideas and export them into a structure or a pseudo structure that people would benefit from seems like um, a cosmic achievement to them. I don't know if it's a fear or just uh, basically they haven't tried it, so they haven't learned the skill level. But I, th I think they're not trained. I mean, we could yeah. riff on this for a while, but I think that, um, but it's important uh, and maybe we should, which is that it's, they're not trained to do it. They're trained to think in specific aims and specific hypotheses and, um, and many of them don't care to, right? They they don't they they became scientists because uh, that's where they felt safe, and so why would they leave that um, haven of safety? Well, they also don't necessarily always see the value in it. It's it's we're all together learning. You and I are learning the value of this. I think you're probably you have an exceptionally 
uh, successful and amazing podcast that you started just recently. Thanks and, to your encouragement. Well, but there's there's a raw skill there that it, that's uh, you're definitely an inspiration uh, to me in how you do the podcast in the in the level of excellence you reach. But I think you've discovered that that's also an impactful way to do science that podcast. And I think a lot of scientists have not yet discovered that, that this is, a, if they apply a same kind of rigor as they do to academic publication uh, or to even conference presentations, and they do that rigor and uh, effort to, uh, to podcast, whatever that is, that could be a five minute podcast, a two hour podcast, it could be conversational, or it can be more like lecture-like. If they apply that effort, you have the potential to reach over time, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people. And that's that's really, really powerful. But yeah, for, for me, giving a platform to a few of those folks, uh, especially for me personally, so maybe you can speak to what fields you're drawn to, but I thought computer scientists uh, were especially bad at this. Uh, so there's brilliant computer scientists that I thought uh, it would be amazing to explore their mind, explore their thinking. And so that I took that almost as an, uh, on as an effort. And at the same time, I had other um, guests in mind or people that connect to my own interests. So the, the wrestling, uh, wrestling, music, football, both American football and, and soccer. I have a few particular people that I'm really interested in. Uh, Bovaisar Satyev, the Satyev brothers, uh, even Khabib for wrestling, just to talk to them. Cause oh, cause you can, you guys can communicate. In Russian and in wrestling, right? As wrestlers and as Russians. And uh, so that that little, it's like an opportunity to explore a mind that, uh, that I'm able to bring to the world. And and also it, uh, I feel like it makes me a better person, just that being that vulnerable and exploring ideas together. I don't know, like good conversation. I don't know how often you have really good conversation with friends, but like podcasts are like that. And uh, it's, it's deeply moving. It's uh, the best, you know, and, and what, you, what you brought through, I mean, when I saw you sit down with Penrose, you know, Nobel, prize-winning physicists and these other folks. It's not just because he has a Nobel, it's what comes out of his mouth is incredible. And what you were able to um, to hold in that conversation was so much better, light years beyond what he had any other interviewer, I don't want to even call you an interviewer because it's really about conversation, light years beyond what anyone else had been able to uh, engage with him was um, <clears throat> was such a beacon of what's possible. And I, I know that, I think that's what people are drawn to. And, and there's a certain intimacy that um, certainly if two people are friends as we are and they know each other, that there's more of that, but there's an intimacy in those kinds of private conversations that are made public. <laughs> and- um, Well, th that's the, with you, you're probably starting to realize, and Costello is like, part of it, because you're authentic and you're putting yourself out there completely, people are almost not just consuming the the words you're saying they also enjoy watching you andrew struggle 
with these ideas or try to communicate these ideas. They like the flaws. They like they like a human being oh, good. exploring they like ideas. Flaws? Well, that's good because I got plenty of those. <laughs> well, they like the like the self-critical aspects, like where you're very careful, <laughs> where where you're very self-critical about your flaws. I mean that in in that same way, it's interesting. I think for people to watch me talk to Penrose, not just because Penrose is communicating ideas, but here is this like silly kid trying to explore ideas. Like they know this kid, that there's a human connection that is really powerful. Same, I think, with Putin, right? Like it's not just it's a, uh, a good interview with Putin. It's also here's this kid struggling to uh, to talk with one of the most powerful, uh, and some would argue dangerous people in the world. That they love that, the, the, the authenticity that led up to that. Like, and, and in return, I get to connect everybody I run to in, in the street and all those kinds of things. Um, th there's a depth of connection there almost within like a minute or two that's unlike any other. Yeah, there's an intimacy that you've formed with, with yeah. them. Yeah, we've been on this like journey together. I mean, I have the same thing with Joe Rogan before I ever met him, right? Like I was, because I was a fan of Joe for so many years, you have, there, there's something, there's, there's a kind of friendship as absurd as it might be to say in podcasting and listening to podcasts. Yeah, maybe it maybe it fills in a little bit of that or solves a little bit of that loneliness that you're yeah. talking about. Until really. the robots are here. <laughs> <laughs> I think the part that resonated with me a lot was Lex looking around at his colleagues in MIT and realizing that they weren't actually moving the needle. They were just very hyper-focused on one specific field and he wanted to zoom out a little bit more. Obviously that has been extremely successful and we can't all do that. But I think it's always worth asking, what are we really doing here? Is this having an impact? Is this what I want to dedicate my life to?